Hi, Julie. Hi, Lisa. We're back. <laughs> we are back. Happy 2022. Happy 2022. When do we stop saying that? Like, what is the, what do you think? This is so interesting. I just had this conversation with, with, with Paul about this of like, when do you stop saying happy new year? Like, is there a week? And I said, I, I think that in January, if you see somebody for the first time or talk to somebody for the first time since, you know, since last year, that it's okay. Once you hit February, then it's a little too, like, I don't know. So that's kind of my I think in January, it's okay if you have not seen the person or talked to the person since uh, since 2021. Get behind that. Wouldn't it be funny if we tested it out in like in March? If you haven't seen someone in a while, you're like, hey, happy <laughs> people. Well, at this rate, like, I feel like I'm not seeing a lot of people. So at this point, it is going to be like May, March, or April, or May before I see a lot of people. And yeah, so I, yeah, I think that would feel a little weird to say Happy New Year in in March, right? So, but in January, it still feels like it's a new year. That, that's my personal, but that's funny. We just had that conversation. Yeah. So, okay. So first of all, um, let's, let's just recap. We, uh, closed out 2021. Um, and then we took a winter break and we're back. And for the first time since 2020, we are actually going to be podcasting to prepare runners for the Boston marathon in April. And by yes, by all accounts, uh, it's going to happen. It happened already in October. We are seeing a huge wave right now, but things are still happening. Houston's this weekend. And um, that's a great sign that Boston will, will go forward. And so here we are. We are in our fourth year of podcasting. This is unbelievable. <laughs> How is that? That's crazy. You're right. I didn't realize that until you, until you said that, but we started this podcast. Was it, it must be three years ago. So, cause we're going right. Right. Was it three years ago? Yeah. Three years ago. Right. Right. Exactly. At this time to kick off a um, podcast to prepare for the Boston marathon. That was kind of our focus. And over the years and over COVID we've expanded the focus um, out of necessity, but, um, but yeah, this was, exactly the reason we started this podcast was to bring together experts and talk about our training philosophies and our experiences with the Boston Marathon and help people either whether it's their first time running the Boston Marathon or their 10th time running the Boston Marathon, maybe take a new look at their training and um, and kind of bring everything together, all of the training, the nutrition, the injury prevention, um, inspirational stories, experience from runners who, who run Boston many times and successfully and bring it all together in one place and um, and share that with everybody. And, and from that, we've built an amazing community of not only runners that are doing Boston, um, but runners of all levels of, of, of running and all experience, which has been really awesome. Absolutely. So uh, well said. And because of that, we're getting back to our roots this season. And because this is the first time in a while that we will be able to do a podcast targeting Boston in April, we are going back to our roots and focusing a lot of attention on the Boston Marathon while still, as you mentioned, many of most of the information is applicable to all runners, but that's going to be our focus. And we also are going back to our roots we decided just for this season, we're not going to be using um, advertisers. We're just going to keep it us and, and we're not going to have any ads. And that was our choice. We just wanted, to, we know there are a lot of podcasts out there right now that it's become very saturated in a good way. It's kind of like a library. It's, you know, you can't have too many books. You can't have too many podcasts, but we just decided we wanted to get back to our roots and, and talk about the things we think that um, 
for right now are really important to our runners and to all runners. And again, this information will be useful regardless of whether you just started running or whether, as you mentioned, you're running your 10th, 20th, or maybe there's some people out there running even more than that um, Boston Marathon. So before we dive into that, how was your winter break, Lisa? My winter break was very low key. We uh, stayed local, um, but we had big milestone. My twins who will be turning 16 in March got their learner's permits. So um, that has been a fun experience. I have um, one who super eager to drive, so eager that as soon as um, I will use the gender term so people will know who I'm talking about. But as soon as he got his permit, he said, okay, can we go, can I go jive now? And uh, we actually went to a nearby park and he drove and did great. And um, he did not go on the main roads that day, but within a week he was driving on the highway. So he now drives us to school from school, pretty much anywhere we need to go, nighttime, rain. Um, and it's only been, um, he's had his permit for a little over two weeks. And so he was super eager. And my other one, has not Wait, gotten behind the wheel yet. Can we just pause? You are so <laughs> yeah. brave. I'm, I mean, I, Alice was born to drive. I'm not surprised, but well, like, that's exactly what it is. He, he has a natural, it's nothing that I did, nothing, but, and, and I know people say like, I was brave to get on the highway with him, but I'll tell you after driving with him for four or five days, just on the local roads, like I had every confidence. I felt just as comfortable in a car with him as I do with an experienced driver. So, you know, I, I was, I was, he does have a kind of a natural ability. So um, it was brave, but it, I'm, I'm not nervous really in the car with him at all. He's very careful and he's got a very good sense. Um, but like I said, um, with twins, often this happens. And I've talked to my other friends with twins who are getting their permits and very, very different um, kids. And the other one has not even gotten behind the wheel yet does not even want to try every day I'm like you want to go drive no 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 so I may leave that to the um, professionals from the driving school to break that ice so how about you I want to hear about let's hear about your break uh my break was great uh after a lot of trepidation and back and forth we decided to go to Hawaii for winter break we had this trip scheduled this would have been the third this was the third time we were trying to go. And in spite of Omicron, we decided to um, test and go and wore our KN95s on the plane and got there safely. And Hawaii was a really great place to be. Obviously Hawaii is wonderful, but also um, it was easy to kind of be away from people. Everything's outside. Um, everything we did, we were able to eat outside, do all of our activities outside. And it, it felt like it was the right fit for uh, a vacation during this crazy time. Uh, so much fun. Uh, the last time that we were in Hawaii was for our honeymoon. So it was really fun to go back uh, 22 years later. And it was just really neat to um, show the kids, you know, what we did then and then do a lot of adventures with them. We did a hike along the um, Kanapali coast and it was gorgeous. And it was, a, it was uh, a really technical hike for us and a lot of mud. And I just, we've come a long way. Hikes used to be something where we would call it a walk because if you called it a hike, someone would cry. And now it's like everyone packed their hiking shoes. We went, we took a lot of pictures, but we also were, all of us were very focused on our footing and we had to like cross a river. Like it was great. So that was a highlight. We snorkeled and uh, we learned to surf. So those are kind of the three key highlights. I have one funny story. This is non-run related. You haven't heard this yet, but it's so good. So oh, I can't wait. All right, so our very last day, we had an, an evening flight and it was late enough in the day that we could actually stay and enjoy the beach and, and shower in, in um, 
like at, in a locker room facility, whatever, and get to the airport. But it wasn't so late that we felt like we could do an adventure. So we decided that would just be like a day to hang out by the pool and the beach and just be on a normal vacation without a huge activity. It was great. So I finished my run and I got to run with um, twice with people in Hawaii. It was great. First, um, I had the opportunity to run with Tracy Catman, who's in our Boston group virtual pr program and also trained with us. And we got her qualified for Boston a few years ago. And it was so awesome to meet her in Kauai. And she showed me around. We did this gorgeous, gorgeous run that I never would have known about around the airport. And it was gorgeous. So, and then the second time I ran with Jeremy Leffler, who's um, part of Montgomery County Roadrunners and someone I run with occasionally here. It was so great to see him. And so I, I finished my run with Jeremy and I was lucky enough to finish early enough that I went by the pool and, and I saw there were four free chairs and that never happens. And it was winter break and I grabbed them and they were all in a row and facing the beach. I mean, it was like optimal real estate. And I said to myself, wow, how lucky am I today? I mean, our last day of vacation and I score these four chairs put the towels down. I, I text my family. I said, Hey, when guys get up, get down here because I have these four chairs and I'd like to change. And I don't want anyone to take them, but I don't want to leave them. So, um, about five minutes of me sitting there, just thinking about my luck, the security guard at the hotel walks up to me and he says, uh, said, ma'am, I hate it when people call me ma'am. And I was like, Oh, here we go. These were reserved. He said, no, I just want to let you know, you're totally fine here. Um, if anyone comes up to you and gives you any issue, let them know that they left their chairs for like three hours. We watched it and we took their stuff and their belongings and they're in storage. So just let them know. I said, okay, are you sure? Could you, could you, could you stay here? Cause I don't want to get into any kind of altercation or he said, no, 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 you are absolutely right. We watched the whole thing. You grabbed the chairs. You're in the right, right here, you know, reassuring me. He walks away just like in a movie, <laughs> this woman comes up about three minutes later and hand on hip looks like she's about in her twenties. And she drops the F bomb and says, you took my chairs. And I smiled and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I understand why you're frustrated. The security guard just walked over. He explained the situation to me. He's right there. They have your stuff. I'm sure they will make it right. And let me give you a tip. I said, I bet if you talk to them and you let them know that you just left your chairs, they'll probably find you new ones that are just as nice, or maybe they'll give you a cabana, like, like work it. Like I was really trying to, you know, be friendly. And I understood she was frustrated. And so he comes over, he starts talking to her. I'm buried in my phone. I don't have a book with me because I came right from my run and I'm buried in it pretending I don't hear. And her mother comes five minutes later and her mother starts screaming at the, at the, security guard but at this point the manager walks over and she's I mean for lack of a better term a Karen speaking to the manager screaming and I am hiding at this point Noah and Ella had already made it down they're sitting next to me we're all squeezed on the same chair trying to be as inconspicuous as possible as the screaming mother walks over to me in a rant and whispers loudly enough for everyone to hear around me if you stay here we will make your life miserable for the rest of the day. No. <laughs> I wish you had recorded this on your phone. That would have been fun. I was dying. So I looked at my kids and I said, this is not a battle that I'm willing to die on. We are going to move. And Noah's like, no, that's not like you, mom. I mean, you're here. You shouldn't have to move. I said, no, I understand. But sometimes you just have to choose peace and we're going to move. So 
long story short, we, it's already a long story. We found new chairs and throughout the day, we had different people coming over, taking reports, asking how we're doing, giving us a free cabana. <laughs> it was just crazy. So it's about, I'd say about two hours later, the manager of the hotel comes over and says, ma'am, I'm so sorry about what happened to you. We want to check on you one more time. I said, no, no, we're fine. And he said, well, actually, she really wants to talk to you. She is so embarrassed and she wants to apologize to you. And I said, you know what? Let her know I appreciate it. Not necessary. I actually don't ever want to see her again. (laughs) (laughs) That was a twist I was not expecting. That was a twist I was not expecting. That is my story. Sorry it took so long, but I thought you would enjoy it. Oh, that's a crazy (laughs) story. Wow. So anyway. um, Otherwise, that's why it sounds amazing. It was amazing. The return was not amazing. And here's why. Um, we got back and like everyone else who talks about this, we were really careful. We wore can 95s but I got COVID. Um, I was feeling fine when we returned Saturday and by Sunday night, I started having a sore throat. I still wasn't acknowledging that I was sick because no one else was sick. And I felt pretty, I felt fine, but by Monday, I realized I was sick. I took a test and um, there was a faint line. I had COVID and it knocked me down. The rest of my family, we did a lot of rapids and a lot of testing and no one else got it but me. Um, I don't know the timeline. I don't know if I got it you know, in Hawaii on a plane or even before and had it and it was dormant and I had symptoms that were delayed, which is happening to some people. I have no idea, but I will tell you, it... it Unlike other people who've had Omicron, it knocked me out for, I mean, you can probably tell my voice is still a little congested. I was, I was really, I was quarantined and isolated from my family, but I also was not feeling well for several days. And my last run. I can vouch for that for you. I didn't, I didn't see you obviously, but I saw you on on a Zoom call that we had to be on and we chatted and you did not sound very good at all. So um, it was a little scary, I gotta tell you, because, you know, like you said, most people say like, yeah, I had it, I'm fine. I had a little sniffles, I'm I'm good. Or I didn't even know I had it. Um, But you really, and you are vaccinated and boosted. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's, you know, that's a little, that's why, you know, a lot of people say, right, you know, the the thought has come up and circulated. Well, you know, just get it and get it over with. But this is, I think, a prime example of why you may not want to just get it and get over because you don't know how it's going to affect you. And you were really, you were wiped out. I was wiped out for a full week. I was basically in bed. Um, I would, you know, I would get up and walk around. But again, I was isolated because I didn't want anyone to get it. So I couldn't do much but I didn't want to. And I tried, I tried through it all to, of course, eat all, like I thought, well, at least I, the things I can do, I can eat really well and hydrate as much as possible and, um, talk with friends and be social that way, just because I didn't want to get depressed too. And, um, I finally started turning a corner, uh, two days ago and today, uh, day 11, I ran for the first time. So I didn't run for 11 days today. I went out and did a very slow three miles. And I showed this to you. Lisa. How to feel? First of all, I, I did not feel great. I wish I could say I felt really great, but I didn't. It felt super hard. My, I, my breathing was labored. I felt really like my legs felt like a baby giraffe and just didn't feel great. And then my Garmin, you know, when you um, finish a run, your Garmin will give you unsolicited a little report on your fitness said, you know, my VO2 was excellent, was 
superior and my recovery time was 23 hours. I mean, it looked like on the Garmin, I had run a run that was epic and I was in peak condition, which just shows that the Garmin is just bullshit. Like it's just, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right. We get a lot of runners who ask us like, oh, mine says peaking or my says that was an unproductive workout. What does that mean? And we always say, <laughs> you know, that's the Garmin is basing it on, um, on some of the data that it, it collects and it's not, um, it's definitely not, uh, not a very, um, it's not foolproof. That's for sure. Yeah. So, um, I guess this is a good way to dovetail into our subject today and, and why we wanted to talk about this. We have a lot of runners we're coaching and then of course ourselves, me, that have run into some roadblocks already with training. And we just kicked off our, our Boston slash spring marathon training. And a lot of people are not off to a great start for different reasons. And we really wanted to talk about that. And what happens if our training isn't off to a great start and how do we address that? So we want to make this positive, but we also want to be realistic. And we know this is happening to a lot of our listeners out there and a lot of our runners and me. Training isn't in a vacuum. It's not perfect. And we wanted today to deliver some advice and guidance on what to do when something unexpectedly happens in your training and how to navigate that. So um, that was what we decided our topic. And it may not even be... I was saying to you that you're kind of lucky, if you can put it that way, to look, look at the silver lining that this happened to you now before Boston training really ramps up. But I mean, you, you are, you're somebody who hasn't been able to really start your Boston training yet, but um, it could come up throughout the course of this training cycle for anybody in different, um, you know, different ways. Um, something could come up that sidelines your training for a a little bit. And it's always good to have, to be reassured that that doesn't mean um, that you're gonna have a bad race at the end of the day. So, um, so yeah, so let's, let's talk about, um, you know, some of the reasons that, uh, you know, we just talked about COVID being one or the sickness, but a lot of people are either coming down with COVID um, or being exposed to COVID, having to quarantine, um, taking care of kids that are COVID positive and they're just, um, you know, cannot focus on on their running. And we've been, um, you know, there's been with, with the original strains of COVID, um, there was a real um, push by the med medical professionals to not return very quickly um, to exercise. And, um, you know, their COVID affects not only our lungs, but our hearts. And so to jump right back into training, even if you feel great, is probably not the smartest idea. So the advice that we've um, seen and we've, that's been backed up by our physician network and our friends that are physicians is a very gradual return. So like you did today, a very easy three miles, maybe run, walk, um, uh, you know, 15 minutes one day, 20 minutes another day, giving yourself time to recover in between listening to your body and not just jumping in. And we've had to tell several of our runners who've had COVID, like we're not going to get back into a training cycle until, you know, two weeks for two weeks, walk, maybe ride a bike easy, you know? So, um, so, you know, that's, that's a, a, a reality right now for a lot of people and you got it early on in the cycle, but some people may end up getting it later. So that's, you know, that's one reason is, is not even just COVID, but, um, you know, we've heard people getting pneumonia, um, the flu, um, it happens, it's winter time. And to your point, it's it's also important to note that everyone responds to this strain differently. So while the two weeks is standard, it's good to have someone, whether it's a coach or any anyone who can kind of look at your training plan and assess it, what works for your specific case. So for example, like we had a runner who tested positive and 
Uh, she had a little bit of symptoms, but nothing big at all. And within four or five days, she was fine and felt absolutely fine. We had another runner who was out for two weeks, but returned very easily. Everyone is different and it's important to, if you're not sure what to do, to have someone assess the situation for you, because maybe it's not as bad as having to wait two weeks for you because you were you had a very, very mild case. Everyone is different. Right. And that just comes back to listening to your body too and being patient with your body. So like you, you know, getting out today to try for a run didn't feel so great. You kept it easy. You kept it short and you weren't, when you get home, you weren't discouraged. You just knew that, okay, got to wait another couple of days before you try to do anything more. So I think that's, um, that's really important. Um, something else that we're dealing with right now and we see a lot of our runners dealing with is the weather. So unless you live in Florida or Arizona or California, um, the weather has become a big, a big issue. We had snow here this past week. Um, and not only do we have snow, but we had ice. Um, and that is just something you don't want to mess with. Um, we've seen it too many times before where somebody's going to really set on getting out for a run and they slip in the and fall in the ice and then they're out for a long time with a broken ankle or an injury. So ice is something we don't mess with. We're, we're all for getting out and running in cold and even if it's windy out, but if there's ice out, if there's snow and or ice, um, you know, then you've got to have to, you're going to have to figure out how to modify. And if you don't have a treadmill at home, um, you know, figuring out what the best um, best way to work around that is. But that's another reason that you're, you know, maybe off to, or some of our runners are off to a rough start is that they haven't been able to get out for a good solid run um, because of their road conditions, wherever they are. And it won't break your training. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do on a snowy day or an icy day instead of running. And one of those is strength training. And we talk about this so much and we will continue to talk about it a meaningful strength training program that's targeted for running is super effective. So don't feel like because you couldn't run miles that day, but instead you did a really thorough strength training session, you still did something really great for your marathon training. So that's just something to keep in mind, shifting your perspective and recognizing that it's not all about miles. It's also about the little things and use the snow and ice as an opportunity to focus on the little things early in your training program. And that is a great way to look at it instead of looking at it as to what you can't do. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I used the opportunity, the snow we had last week, I used that for sleep because I knew we were getting it overnight and I knew there was no reason to wake up to try to go for a run and it was going to be a rest day for me. And, um, I slept like a couple extra hours and, oh my gosh, it felt so good just to sleep and just know that I did, wasn't, that I missed anything. It wasn't like, oh shoot, I missed out on my run because I, I couldn't go out. The roads were covered already and it was early. Um, and so I, I focused on sleep and, um, you know, you mentioned strength and strength specific, particularly for, for Boston. We are lucky enough in our current um, group program and for our coaching clients that we have there, our individual clients that are training for Boston. We've been working with um, Kelly Redmond, who does all of our strength work, our strength videos for us. And she's actually put together um, hill specific strength which, you know, in, in training for Boston, a lot of times, especially first timers get really focused on, on the hills in Boston and what do they have to do to train for the hills. And the tendency can be to um, put a lot of hills in your training. So a lot of hill repeats and a lot of really hilly long runs and, you know, crushing those hills. And um, that's not always the most effective way to train for the hills. It can actually lead to injury overtraining. Um, and just because you can crush hills in your training does not mean it's going to be easy or feel better on race day. But one thing that we've found over the years that really does make a difference is strength. So having that strength to have good form on hills and um, make sure that um, your glutes are engaged on the hills and you're not um, pounding your quads 
um, is strength training. And so we are lucky enough to have Kelly do videos for us. So that's an example of something, you know, we tell our runners like, Hey, if you can't get out today, turn on those Kelly videos and do a mobility video, do a strength video. Um, but absolutely. And if, you know, if you've got some piece of equipment at home, if you've got a bike on a trainer or a stationary bike, or you've got an elliptical, or you've got, you can go sledding with your kids, or you can kind of go shovel snow. I'm um, just getting some activity in um, can make people feel a little bit better. And, and frankly, you know, I often substitute if I was going to be doing a run, I can substitute, you know, equal time on the bike. So, you know, lots of options, uh, just because you can't get out to run on the roads outside. And um, also we should mention a lot of our runners ask about yak tracks or similar products to put on their shoes to go run out in the snow. Um, they're great in, in concept and in theory. And um, I have a pair of yak, the yak tracks has yak tracks walk and yak tracks run. And I have a pair of yak track walk, yak tracks walk for whatever reason I had gotten them. Um, I don't have the run ones, um, but they are, uh, first of all, they're really only good when you have a solid um, path of snow. Um, if you've got mix of snow and pavement and ice, uh, they're not as great. They're definitely not good on pavement. So if you've got a winter wonderland and you can get out and run in them, they, they may be helpful, but it's still very different than running. And it's still, um, you know, it's still, it, it's actually, I think much harder. Um, so it's not quite the same, um, as running. And again, they're, they're a great product, but you've got to have the right conditions to use them. They're not great for ice either. So right. it's, it's. Ice is a deal breaker for us. It always has been. And uh, the thing about ice is often people feel confident about going out and running a few days after a snowstorm when the roads are cleared, but that's actually an optimal time for black ice because things pretty much refreeze every morning unless you get uh, overnight temperatures that are above freezing, which is rare this time of year on the Northeast and in other cold climates. So just be really mindful that even if the roads look clear, if you're going out in the dark in the morning, particularly when things have frozen overnight, it's, you're going to run into some black ice. So be, be lit and wear a light to see it. And if the conditions appear to have a lot of black ice, don't go do something else. It's not worth it. It's not worth blowing your season. Yeah. Or if you can shift your run until later in the day. So I know, you know, when we've had icy mornings that uh, later in the day when the sun comes out, it's cleared up a little bit. I find it personally easier to run on neighborhood streets, like actually in the roads that have been treated versus sidewalks or paths or trails. Um, so if you have a safe neighborhood that has low traffic that you can get out or even find a, a loop, you know, a lot of our runners will find like they, you know, we have one runner who has a 1.6 mile loop that is always pretty clear, you know, it's cleared pretty quickly of snow. And he uses that to do some of his, you know, some of his running if it's, you know, if it's cleared. Um, so you just have to get creative and be patient and be willing to be flexible with yourself. So move your run to another day or later in the day, if you're able to do that or a different route than you might normally do, um, then your ideal route, if your ideal route is not safe, then maybe you do, you know, the up and back in your neighborhood, the, the mile up and back if you have to. Absolutely. So um, the other thing I just wanted to mention is you had earlier mentioned about uh, our strength training programs within our training program and our Boston group program, we just kicked it off on Sunday night with a group call and it was, it was great. We went over all the fundamentals. That call was recorded. So if you are considering doing a training program, we're going to plug ours right now. I know we said no commercials, but we can talk about this. Uh, it's a great program. It's specifically tailored to Boston. Everyone participating in this group program is a Boston runner for April. 
And the strength training workouts in the program are specifically tailored to Boston, including the one you mentioned earlier, Lisa, with respect to Hills. And the reason that the strength program strength programs in our program are specific to Boston because they do a lot of eccentric work and a lot of quad and glute work, which is really, really specific for the Boston Hills. So if you're following a Boston Marathon program, but you feel like you're missing some strength, our program includes that. And it's videos. You just click the link to the video and do your workouts. And uh, it's a great way to fit in your strength training without having to think about it. So that's our little plug. So Lisa, what are some things that we can do right now as we think about all of these obstacles and sort of, we just kind of had a little bit of a negative sort of take on our training, but things aren't all bad. So what are some of the things that we can do right now to maximize our training as we're entering the first quarter of our training cycle? Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind for me, at least where we were just talking about it is sleep and focusing on sleep. And um, that's been hard. I know for me lately with like so many different things going on in the start of the new year starting up and work being busy. And we've got a lot of runners that we're coaching and new runners coming on. So we've been super busy. And I know you have two often exchanging emails at like midnight. Um, so sleep for me is something I'm really trying to, trying to focus on. And that was that was, like I said, one of the silver linings of the snow we just had when I said, oh, I'm just going to sleep. I don't have to wake up. So that's that's something I think that we can all agree is a good thing to focus on in the wintertime in particular. For sure. And then another thing to focus on, I think, is developing some healthy eating habits. And I don't mean that in terms of losing weight, dieting, or anything like that. I mean that in terms of thinking about what fuel you need for your running each day and then each meal. So are you getting enough carbs regularly in your meals? What are you doing to ensure that you're not just having dinner and having heartier portions, but also during a busy day, what are you doing for breakfast and lunch? Do you have the things you need to support your training? Because Carb loading is, is a thing of the past. It's not about loading up the night before race. Rather, it's about making sure you have enough carbs throughout your training. And then, of course, the week before the race, we'll talk about this a lot more, but sort of shifting, shifting your macros so you have more carbs on your plate, maybe than fats and protein as you start getting closer to the race. But generally, our diets need to have significant carbs. And this is through cooking and planning. And we can't always do that. It's hard. So this time of year, when we're indoors more, it's, it's a really great time to come up with some really easy meals that we can all have on have handy and make and have ingredients in our fridge and have the veggies cut, have the fruit available, have the sweet potatoes, and just to make sure that you're implementing those into your training so you're not feeling depleted. Because one of the things that our registered dietitians often share with us and that we share with our runners is overtraining is not just about running too many miles. It's also about not fueling enough during your training so that your body isn't able to recover. And we all are well-intentioned, but one of the issues many of us have, and you just pointed out, we're all super busy. And sometimes it's really hard to think about what we're eating throughout the day. So taking the time during this point in our training schedule to plan out what types of foods are you going to have on hand all the time to make sure you're getting enough carbs, fats, and proteins, I think is a really good thing to do right now in the training cycle. Yeah, I think one thing we've both done is um, experiment with some recipes. Um, you know, the Run Fast, Eat Slow book has some really good ones. So find something. And like you said, now is a good time also to figure out what works for you, what doesn't, what food 
gives you good energy. Like, you know, if you go out for a run one day and you feel really good, well, what did you eat like the day before that fueled you well? Or, you know, if you go out and you've got GI problems on a run, what did you eat the night before that maybe you don't, you want to avoid when we're getting ramping up, but this is a good time to, to focus on that and, and kind of add some foods or some recipes to your repertoire and figure out what, what's working and what's not working. So I think that's a great, um, a great suggestion. And along what? the same lines, um, hydration and drinking. Um, making sure we're hydrated. Like that's, that's, you know, I think hydration affects everything from not only from our running and recovery, but our, our brain function and, and our ability, our clarity, our ability to think and to function well throughout the day. So, you know, tied hand in hand with nutrition is also drinking. Lisa, I was just going to ask you, what's one of your go-to uh, recipes or dinners that you use throughout your training, especially in the winter? Um, I really like, um, actually there's a, a couple. Um, I, I'm a big fan of quinoa. So I've really liked like experimenting with quinoa dishes and quinoa salads. And even though I'm not a salad person, but I really like quinoa. Um, I, uh, I like, um, I was just getting this ready for this week. Um, I really like to make um, uh, chicken shawarma and um, mm. in the, in the um, slow cooker and um, with pita and um, with hummus and uh, you know, usually have it with French fries or actually, oh, you know what I've been doing a lot lately is making our own um, like potato wedges or potato fry. I'll buy potatoes, either sweet potatoes or regular russet potatoes. And we slice them up and the kids helped me like we did the other day, we did um, seasoned salt and Parmesan cheese, Parmesan on them and just roasted them and had those with dinner. So they're really good. So I, I'm trying to like, you know, come up with some different things that the kids also like to, to eat um, because I always hate making meals that only I eat and nobody else eats, or at least me and one of my kids and the other two will turn their noses up. So, um, so that's, you know, trying to try to find good proteins, good carbs and, um, and, uh, you know, find new ways of having those. Love what it. That's, that sounds great. Uh, one of the things I like to make, it's really easy is I like to do salmon. I've been doing it lately in the air fryer, um, sometimes with panko breadcrumbs sometimes without it's great yeah. uh I'm a big fan even though it's not carbohydrates I we have a lot of me at almost every meal I love uh roasted Brussels sprouts or taking like Brussels sprouts like shavings I know you hate them but you've gotten a little bit warmer <laughs> to them I know but I like making different kinds know, of Brussels so sprouts I just hate them mushy and then yeah uh rice is always a staple pasta last night I made like it was super easy like a Thai pasta, but I used a uh, protein pasta uh, because one of my kids doesn't really love to eat meat and uh, then just paired that with chicken for the rest of us that, that does. And that was a good meal. So I just try, I'm not fancy at all, but I just try with meals to think about pairing carbohydrates with protein with some fat. And that kind of works all together for me. And I do find when, if I'm just eating too much salad, I'm under fueled and I'm, I'm grumpy. So I may think I'm eating quote unquote healthy, but really it's not optimal for the amount of mileage that I'm doing um, during this time of year. Yeah, that's why I avoid salad at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> trying to quit. So, um, yeah, so, um, so we also talked, you know, just talking more about what we can do. We talked about strength training. Um, and that's just really, if you don't have the resources that, you know, we have with our, um, trainer that you know, with Kelly that we work with, and we're really lucky to have that, that as a resource, um, you know, finding something near you that works. And, and we would recommend finding a trainer or a program that is run specific because there are lots of strength programs out there and you can work on all different types of strength. Um, but as runners, we have a specific type of strength that we want to work on. And not only that, we want to watch the intensity. So as, especially if you're training for a marathon, 
um, we've found that you really have to dial down the intensity of your strength training, be smart about it. So um, the strength training that we want to do for run as runners, core um, stability, glute strength, hip strength is not, um, doesn't have to be arduous. It doesn't have to be like, you know, really strenuous strength. It can be actually very subtle. And some of the exercises I know that, you know, Rachel um, gives to us as runners and, um, and a lot of our runners who are in PT are doing are so subtle that they, they're, they're not hard. They're just, it's about engaging certain muscles and firing certain muscles and to learn it's more neuromuscular almost. Um, so it doesn't have to be a super hard workout. Um, we like the Peloton strength for runners workouts. Those are good. Um, but uh, really dialing in runner specific strength and the proper intensity. And we recommend um, runners do strength before they run, especially if you're doing it close to your run time um, to do it before you run because I mean, I'm sorry, after you run, <laughs> run and then do your strength. Um, because if you do, <laughs> I miss, misspoke there. If you do the strength um, before you run, you're going to fatigue those key muscles, your glutes, your core, your hips. Um, you're going to fatigue those muscles and you may compromise your form. Now, some people can do strength, a light strength session in the morning and run in the afternoon. No problem. Have no effects of that's, you know, that's individual. Um, but, and we do like to put strength and running on the same day so that you can actually then have a pure rest day. You're not, um, you know, straining your body on every day. So those are all ideals, but again, it's kind of individual. Absolutely. So shifting gears, what are some things that we should be doing for Boston right now? So we just talked about some general things that we should be doing right now, aside from running to prepare, but what about specific for Boston? Well, the number one thing, and we've said this before, and we've made sure all of our runners have done this, is book a hotel. Um, hotels are already all booked up, basically. And a lot of people have questions about, should I stay near Hopkinton? Should I stay near Boston? I mean, especially if you're new to Boston, you just have no, um, no context and really hard to understand. Like, it starts in Hopkinton, so shouldn't you stay near the start? Um, it finishes in Boston. How far should you stay from the start, from the finish? Um, it, it is ideal to stay in Boston. Um, if you can, if you can find a, a, um, a hotel, Airbnbs, you have to be really careful with. There's a lot of um, scams out there right now. Um, in the past, they've had a lot of last minute cancellations with Airbnbs. So if you're doing an Airbnb, I would just, just definitely, or some type of Airbnb, whatever VBR, just do your research. Um, but it, ideally you stay um, close to downtown in Boston because that's where the expo is. That's where your packet pickup you know, is going to be. It's where you're going to finish. Everything kind of centers around Boston and the transportation to the start is from the Boston Common. So um, the closer you can get, the better. Now there are um, hotels that are a little less expensive, a little more available, a little farther out, maybe by the airport or Cambridge, or even in some of the suburbs. Um, many of those offer shuttles to the buses, the, the race buses in the morning or shuttles to the expo. So call in advance and see if they'll be doing that. Um, check about, um, you might want to check in with your, um, the hotels that you're looking at as to either late checkout or what kind of accommodations they give uh, runners if they have to check out the morning of the race, because many of us do that. The um, Many of us fly out at 5 or 6 p.m. that night, so you have to check out of your hotel. And we, we speak this from experience. I think we've done this every single time, other than I think I've maybe one time I've stayed past Monday, mm -hmm. um, but you have to check out. And in most of my experiences in the past, the hotel had some accommodations, whether um, one, it was, you know, they'd set up, they'd let you use their spa to come back and shower in their spa or their pool, you know, the locker rooms. Some would set aside three or four empty rooms and people would come in and just cycle through them and they'd leave out towels and you could quickly change and shower and cycle through those. Uh, one I stayed in had an, an adjacent YMCA that gave permission, gave you a pass to use the YMCA after. So 
ask them what kind of um, accommodations they have. Unfortunately for us in our hotel that we've stayed in the last couple of years, which we do really love for its location and have loved for the accommodations, the Lowe's, they have typically been full the next day. So have had no um, spare rooms. They don't have a spa. They don't have any facilities to get showered. So we do the wipes and we got very lucky this year in that we had friends staying in the hotel who said, who were staying, who said, please go use my shower. And that was great. But if you can't bank on that, just it's it's a logistical thing to think about when you're booking your accommodations. And and, uh, anyone who's flying home with us this year, we are staying an extra night. (laughs) So we will be showered on the plane flight. And apologies to those who uh, may have been sitting next to us on previous Boston marathons. (laughs) Yeah, I particularly remember in 20, it must have been 20. 19 when we did not get to shower and we'd use the bathroom to like wipe up and then you know oh that wasn't me I didn't run it that year I just accompanied you oh right that was right it was that was me that was me I remember it was all right yeah so and flights um you know along with with hotels start to look at flights I know I've usually waited until a little bit closer to book um flights like I have not booked my flights this year um JetBlue does offer a very minimal, like a $10, they're the sponsor of, of the Boston Marathon. So in your Boston Marathon um, materials that you get, um, their emails and on the website, they usually have a code uh, that you you have, you do have to call their, um, their like corporate bookings line though, to do that. You can't do that online. You have to actually have to call JetBlue and do it over the phone and they'll give you $10 off each way. I think it is. So I'm um, so starting so thinking about that now. <laughs> I know, but it's, hey, every, every little okay. bit counts, but yeah. Um, yeah, so if JetBlue is your cheapest flight anyway, like might as well get an extra $10 off each way. Um, uh, I would say based on our experience from last year, I don't think it's gonna happen again, but give yourself flexibility, give, build in some extra time. Um, because if you are going to be, uh, the, the expo is open until Sunday afternoon. Um, ideally you get there Saturday and plan to get there Saturday to get everything done and out of the way. Uh, we liked, I, I got there Friday this year. It was great. Um, not everyone can do that, but we know a lot of runners who were supposed to get there Saturday whose flights were canceled. Yours was almost canceled and didn't get there until Sunday. And it was a real panic. So if you're already planning on coming on Sunday, and then you get delayed, like what happens? So that would be my recommendation is to give yourself a buffer and look at some backups too. like know what the backups are. Like, can you take a train? Can you take a bus? Are you gonna be able to drive if you can't get there? Like know what your plan B is. Yeah, hopefully last time was just an anomaly. That was a hot mess uh, with respect to Southwest Airlines and all that happened. So another thing that one should think about doing right now, and this is not particular to Boston, but for any spring marathon is Schedule a PT visit. Uh, We used to kind of think of PT as if you feel like there's an injury coming on, it's a good idea to schedule with a PT uh, and have someone take a look at that. But now, as we've been doing this coaching thing for 12 years, as we look at PT, it's also really good to make an appointment with a PT prophylactically. So have someone take a look at you early on and say, you know what, you're really tight in your IT band or your left glute isn't working. How great to have a professional take a look at you, take a look at your running and see what's going on before you get too far into your training. So if there is something going on, you can identify it early, address it early and prevent an injury. So call your PT if you are in our area, you know, we love, love ProAction physical therapy. They're wonderful. And uh, they do do a run base analysis where it's not a, a traditional appointment with PT, but they will watch you run on a treadmill and identify 
any issues, uh, they have equipment to do that. And it, it's a great thing to do it early in a training cycle. And similarly, also, if you haven't done so for a while, new training cycle, head over to your local run specialty store. We love RNJ Sports here in Maryland to get fitted for shoes. If you've been buying the same shoes for a few years, can't hurt to get fitted. Uh, we know we often say if it isn't broke, don't fix it, but shoes do change. So if you've been ordering the new version of your shoes uh, over and over and you're finding they work, there might be something better out there for you. And it, it can't hurt to have a professional take a look at your shoes and make sure you're still wearing the right pair. Yeah, that's, um, I will say, uh, what, just a side note, the Brooks Ghosts from the 13s to the 14s, um, we've had a lot of runners who've had a problem with that update to the shoe and they've had to get refit for shoes. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one example. I'm sure, you know, it's happened with other shoes and other models, um, but sometimes they update a shoe and it just doesn't work for you anymore. So um, like you said, can't, can't hurt. Um, there's a lot of hype out of out there about all the different types of shoes, carbon plate shoes. I think we'll probably do a podcast this season on an update. We had done one a couple of years ago, but I think it's time for an update. Um, so if you have questions about those, the best place to get answers is your local shoe store, your running shoe store with your expert, uh, you know, people who are really experienced in this. Um, so that's certainly um, something important to do. The other thing I think that's important to do is um, start to visualize the Boston course. It's really important part of your training is the mental part. Um, tons of videos out there of the Boston course. Just go on YouTube, look for Boston Marathon course. You will find tons of videos that people took that, that it, uh, the, the race actually, you know, has, has official videos, um, but go out there and just be able to visualize that um, in your training. And lastly, and this one is, is something we talk about a lot throughout the podcast and we've talked about in the past, and that is curate your social media accounts. You choose who you follow and if you want to be inspired, there are some great follower follows out there where you can follow some accounts that and watch people's training and, and get advice or guidance from experts through your social media. But there's also a lot of accounts that you may feel don't make you feel so good. And there's no reason why you have to follow those. So beginning of a training cycle, this is a great time to kind of look at what you are looking at and say, is this serving me well? Is this something that's going to keep me in a positive space throughout my training? Or am I following this person or this company because I feel like I have to? You don't have to follow anyone. So if there is something that you feel would improve your outlook on training, keep it at it. But if there's something that you feel like is causing you to have some negative feelings or not look at your training as positively as you could, then you don't need to follow that. And that's just a tip. We we are what we eat, and I also believe we are what we consume. So be scrupulous about what you're consuming and, and avoid the junk if you can. Absolutely. And don't compare. I mean, you know, so many you'll see out there, especially if you're somebody who's training for a marathon, you will see other people training for marathons and they're going to post their workouts and their paces and what they're doing. Don't second guess your training. Um, don't try to match what somebody else does. Um, that's how we lead to injuries. Um, that what they're doing doesn't necessarily mean they're going to perform any better or worse than you. It's, it's, it's their training program and they are certainly entitled to put it out there, but just um, stay focused. I try to block out a lot of that noise because I see that and I think, oh shoot, should I, should I be doing that? Or should I be running those paces? And I just have to block out the noise, focus on you, focus on your training, focus on getting to that start line healthy, um, and, and kind of block out the rest of it. Use it for encouragement for sure. If it, if it motivates you and encourages you, but, um, try to block out that noise and really focus on what's going to work for you. I can personally attest to, I do very, 
very different training than most people do. And you know this for, for marathons and for races. I don't do a ton of speed work. Um, I used to use races as speed work. I don't have them so much anymore. I run my long runs a lot slower than most people who run my pace or my, my race times run. And um, I just have to know that that's what works for me and not, you know, not second guess myself. So I think that's, that's really important. Absolutely. So I'm excited to kick off this season again with you, Lisa. We've got a lot of great guests coming on this season. We're super excited. Uh, one, they're all different, but we've got a nice list of, of experts and Boston Marathon uh, relevant guests who will be on this season and inspiration. Very much so. Some inspiration and great advice. Yeah. Yep. So, I can't wait. I'm glad we're back to our roots. And I'm glad we're working toward Boston in April. And I am glad you're feeling better and that you're back up and running. Thank you so much, Lisa. And I look forward to many more recordings and I'll see you next week for sure. Have a great week, Lisa. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.